Hello and welcome to Good Show, the podcast helping you answer one of the most daunting questions in television. What am I watching next? I'm Anthony Maker. And I'm Brandon Sharp. On this episode, we are discussing Fleabag. Fleabag is very much the creation of Phoebe Waller-Bridge. It actually began as a one-woman play, but was developed into a TV show through a partnership between BBC and Amazon. The show was originally released in July of 2016. There are only two seasons, and as most BBC shows do, each season has only six episodes. Fleabag follows... Fleabag, who is Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character, I have to say it that way because throughout the entire series, we never actually learn her name. Fleabag is sexually adventurous, has an extremely irreverent sense of humor, and loves being the person to push all the boundaries. But the crux of this show is showing her actually deal with a, a very recent tragedy. If Fleabag manages to not scare you off, you're in for a beautiful show. So let's get into Fleabag. Now, it's, it's worth mentioning up top here, last week we released Stranger Things, which as we talked a little bit more about it on that episode, but we basically chose two shows, one that one of us sort of recommended more than the other person. And by that, I mostly mean the other person hadn't actually seen this show yet. Yeah. But then, so for Stranger Things, Brandon loved Stranger Things and really thought I should see it. So I kind of caught up to him. And now this is the exact opposite. This is the show that I recommended to him. Right. Yep. And all I, all I mean by that is basically that I was way more, I, I have much more time spent with this show than Brandon does. Brandon, let me ask you as we get started then, is there anything you thought about this show before? I think you'd heard of it. Is What did you think? What was the the buzz about this show before I sort of pushed you over the edge on it? I, I want to say there wasn't a whole lot that uh, a whole lot of baggage I took into my first couple of viewings. My my issue was because I did I did start this show at least one time before you were like, no, man, you got to get in there. You got to you got to really barrel through. I think it was just the sense of humor wasn't quite hitting me the right way. Uh, seemed seemed a little uh, off color for me. So, yeah, it took me a couple times. But, you know, I absolutely committed, you know, to watching this through in its entirety. And I'm glad I did. This is uh, I think I've actually used sort of this line a couple times talking about shows and, and it actually began with Fleabag. And that is that this like irreverent sense of humor or this uh, vulgarity, I've talked about it with like nudity a little bit too. Yeah. The way that those things don't exactly bother me, but you got to push through. And if there's symbol symbolism underneath those things, I off I I probably will say this five times during this show, but I really want to say like you got to push through some of that. I understand I understand like you just may not like the show, and that's fine. I can't talk everybody into liking the show, but in my personal opinion, this show almost tries to scare you off in the first place, and then if you can get through that, you'll see why it tries to scare you off. It does have some meaning, but behind why she's acting this way, and so um, you got to kind of push through some of that. And it's almost like she's trying to push you away, and and you got to fight through that a little bit to to sort of get a peek into this. Let me ask: uh, Are you glad you watched the show? Oh yeah, absolutely. And yeah. it ended up being something I really enjoyed. I think there, there will be like in those initial episodes, there will be plenty of things you find funny. I just didn't yeah. quite know what I was watching. I just yes. didn't, yeah. I really didn't understand what I was, what was unfolding in front of my eyes. It comes together uh, very nicely. I'm glad I watched the show. It just, 
It takes a little bit to understand Fleabag and kind of her world. But anyway, 100% glad I watched it. Let's keep talking about that, but let me ask you this. What kind of show is this? Let me throw this out there as a, as a possibility. I tend to think, now being on the other side, having watched this show several, several times, I would actually end up putting it in a category with a show like Reservation Dogs, mm-hmm. which is new, newer for me, and Ted Lasso. And here's why. This is actually the show, I think, not that it directly made these other shows possible or that it had anything to do with these other shows, but it was the first show I remember watching that was that sort of you could cry and laugh within 10 seconds of each other. Right. And even more than that, like lasso pulls emotions out of you. It asks you to explore your life. And, um, I think Fleabag does too. And I think it's in that same category. I think we're maybe calling this sort of a dark comedy, but although it lasso takes it easy and goes in different directions, it's, it's maybe a little more like reservation dogs because of the irreverent humor against sure. the emotionality, something like that. Yeah, I think you're I think the show takes different shapes. I, I hesitate to put one kind of overarching label on it, but I will say a good portion of the first season just feels like a very British sitcom. Sure. And I think that was my initial like the things I was getting hung up on were like I, I don't always love things that are super British. <laughs> so for some for some reason <laughs> That's I That's a really good point. Yeah. I really don't I don't just don't find their shows as funny as as our shows, huh. um, I'd say in a season one, season two, dark comedy for sure. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. that's my favorite stuff. I think it just takes a few different shapes. Something funny, I think, and what I often tell people, and this is actually what it was. I never shared like where I heard about it from. I had a mm. friend call me. My friend Jake called me and just said, I think you would really, really love this show. And what he said to me was, you have to get all the way to season two. Don't decide until you start season two. And he was right. That's exactly what I tell everyone else about the show. And I love season one, but season two just becomes this insanely beautiful thing to me. And you need season one. Season one fits into season two, mm-hmm. but season two becomes its whole, it, it, it's a flower that opens up into this really cool thing. And you didn't know you were setting yourself up and you literally like, there's something you find out with 15 minutes left in season one that changes. Like you just said, it changes what this show is. It's been something else to you this whole time. And I like your description of British humor because also that explains, I like British humor. There's a lot of British humor. I like a lot. And so that might be why I was more willing to just sort of put up with it and, and go through it. But Fleabag is definitely trying to, push your boundaries. And, um, then you find out something later, like, Oh, that's why she acts this way. We have talked about expanding our idea of our five point stylings of what a show is, but this is an interesting one to try and actually classify within our categories that we've had in the past. What do you think that is? Do you have any idea of that? I would say it it has a little bit of a stripped down look to it. You know, it it clearly takes place uh, different locales in and around London. It does have more of a sitcom-y feel to it, not a a super premium look. Also, it's very well done. Like, I I don't think there's anything that takes anything distracting, anything that takes you out. It would just, it was just a very, very simple, but well done show. I think somebody thought it was, some people thought it was brilliant and they took this, this one woman show 
mm-hmm. and took it from whatever I, I keep wanting to say Broadway, but it's not Broadway. It's just whatever playhouse it was in and, and decided, oh, we could make a series out of that. But it was also an experiment with Amazon and BBC One, which was, I don't know if that even still exists, but it was BBC's like standalone streaming service. Yeah. So it was like starting this new thing and it was sort of an experiment. And so it does have a sort of an experimental feel like, oh, I'm not sure if we're going to put this much money into it. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, uh, let's see what happens with it. And there's actually something I'd like to mention that I think uh, I should have mentioned at the beginning of the show. This show has been sort of a, in some circles, like a feminist icon show. Mm. Uh, and now we do our, have our resident feminist, Brandon, on our show I, with us. <laughs> I'm, I'm only, I only the want to say. daylights out of me. That sentence, I just, I want to crawl the, under my desk. You don't want to be a resident feminist? No, I I think I would really just mess that up terribly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, anyway, what I'm trying to say basically is two dudes talking about this show. All we can really do right now is admit to you that there's going to be some stuff that we missed and even some jokes that we probably missed. I think this show may be even more special for for females just uh, because of the, the nature of things. And I've also mentioned in the past, like, there's certain humor that I'm cool with if it's a dude making that joke. And when it's not, I get a little squirmy. That can feel that, or at least I remember the first time I watched Fleabag, I felt very much that way a couple times where I just got like oh, a little squirmy. But then I, this was the first show that made me think, what's the matter with you? If this was a guy making this joke, you wouldn't have any problem. You would think it was hilarious. So cool it. Yeah, but I, I, I don't think, I wouldn't criticize you for that because I think it's more of like a... Uh, you cherish women, you know, like I, I think it's mm-hmm. coming more from that angle and I, I can totally see how that would be condescending, you know, to a feminist or to a, you know, a, a modern woman, but I, I wouldn't criticize the sentiment because I know where it's coming from. Let's turn to acting. Let me ask you a couple questions, like in particular, before I ask you to highlight anybody that stood out to you. Number one, what I think is funny about Fleabag is it was, to me, someone who knew about Fleabag and watched it, it was huge at the time in 2016. I didn't watch it then. I watched it roughly around 2018 or 19 when season two came out. But anyway, during that time, Phoebe Waller-Bridge like flared up. She was huge, at least in the niche circle of people who knew about Fleabag. And then also she wrote Killing Eve, which is a really, really good show just on, you know, as a side note, she wrote a show called Crashing, which is not as good, but then she's been involved in some projects, but I feel a whole lot like she was like really big there for a little bit. I certainly at that time bought into the hype and still love what she does and follow her. Did you buy into the Phoebe Waller-Bridge hype? No, I'm I'm more familiar with some of her recent endeavors, but I will say I was very much aware of Fleabag happening when it was, you know, airing for the first time on Amazon and I knew it was getting Emmy nominations. Like we've talked about before, I spend more time on Amazon than you do. So Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think that um made me at least made me aware of her. Yeah. But no. Not to the extent that I was um, watching all of her stuff. So okay, she but she wrote this show I think by herself because it was mostly developed as the play first and then translated to TV. Sometimes writer actors don't do well. How'd you feel like she performed? Yeah, I mean she nailed it. And you say turned a stage play into a. I mean that makes perfect sense to me. All the pieces of the puzzle are coming together now because yeah. it seems like a one man. It's like it's a like yes. a, it's a one man show kind of. Again, it helps to have all the context. I, I will yes. say that it really does sure. help to have all the pieces of the uh, of the puzzle to help form your opinion. I think she is she is 
the person in this show. She makes this show. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's it has other great showings from people, other great um, performances, but this this is the Phoebe Waller Bridge show. Okay, here's my big question, and this is where I get super hyperbolic. Um, <laughs> perhaps you've heard the term hot priest because that's what it was going around. But my question for you, Brandon, is, is Andrew Scott the best actor in the world? That's what I'd like to know. No, he's not. <laughs> yes, he is. Okay, well, let's end the podcast. <laughs> okay, so here's my We're thing. We're breaking up. Here, here's my best Here's my best way to describe this. The people who are not Phoebe Waller-Bridge and had good performances are the ones that have the best chemistry with her, I think. Yes, sure. Yeah, good Those point. are the people I noticed the best or yes. mo- noticed the most. Andrew Scott has the best chemistry with Phoebe Waller-Bridge on this show. Yes. Hands down. A second place would be, uh, I don't know how to pronounce her name, but the person who plays Claire. Great chemistry, very entertaining to watch with Phoebe Waller-Bridge. They seem like sisters. They seem exactly like like sisters. sisters. A lot of funny moments, a lot of funny lines. Those are the people that you you really buy into when you're watching this. Okay, by the way, let me step back. Yeah, I put. I obviously put you in a jokingly bad situation. I know, so, making you say that he Absolutely. wasn't the best. That's why actor. I said. Okay. That's why I said right. no. But he's incredible in the show. Uh-huh. And also, if you don't know who Andrew Scott is, he plays. Uh, this is another not maybe not super popular reference, but he plays Moriarty in Sherlock. I think Sherlock's pretty pretty well known. Uh, yeah, hopefully. It should be. You should watch Sherlock, by the way, if you haven't watched Sherlock. But this is BBC Night on, uh, mm-hmm. apparently. Good show, yeah. But Andrew Scott, like, those are the two things I've basically oh, seen he him steals, in, he's incredible He steals in every scene that he's in in Sherlock. Yes. And really, like, it's it's arm, it's some arm wrestling when he's in um, when he's in scenes with Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Like, yes. who's who's really stealing the scene here? Because he's yes. freaking great. Like he's, he's really good. A couple scenes come to mind right off the top of my head when I reference this, but yeah, it just, it feels so natural and his delivery's really great. The, the timing, their timing together is something that you just don't really see on television a whole lot. It's yes. pretty special. Cool. Anybody else stand out for you in this, in the show? Brett Gelman, cause he's in yeah. stranger things. Also, he, mm-hmm. he plays Claire's husband. He's He's icky in this. He's icky in Stranger Things. He's just, but he's he's a good actor. I really, for whatever reason, really respect him. The first thing I remember seeing him in was The Other Guys, the movie The Other oh, yeah. Guys. Yeah. He's he's Christina's husband, and he's the one that says, it's Christina. <laughs> anyway, but he, he went, sorry, my point there is he went from goofy, funny guy to sometimes like weird he's not gross in stranger things i don't feel like but he and he's, uh, he's no, pretty no. gross pretty cringy and flea bag so he he's got some range man he's like he's he's good i like him yeah he just he just has a little bit of a quirky for sure he's just a persona about him yes there was some very understated characters also that didn't get a lot of screen time but i thought yeah. were particularly good uh kristen scott thomas who plays belinda she was the one who got yeah. the woman of the year award she yep. had great chemistry with Phoebe Waller-Bridge yeah. in the bar scene. Also, there was a, a guy who played the bank manager. He had a couple yeah. good scenes, yeah, yeah, yeah. With, couple yeah, good scenes loan, with her. The loan manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a Ray Fearon plays a lawyer in this. And it's yeah. funny because he's billed as like he has doesn't have a name. Just hot misogynist is <laughs> is his character name yeah. in the uh, in the show. I mean, laugh out loud funny in all of his scenes. So yeah. really a lot of great acting, a lot of very British acting. And oh, and honestly, by the way, we 
We haven't even mentioned Olivia Coleman yet, and no. she's incredible and, in the show. And she, you know, Broadchurch, The Crown, yeah. she, every she's great. Yeah, it's worth noting though. I feel like I can trace all British actors back to like Harry Potter, Down Abbey, and a few things. <laughs> yeah, which is not true. And then Fleabag's a great example. I'm not really familiar with any of these these characters, just maybe one or two. Hmm. And it was really like a fresh batch of of British actors, which was refreshing because you know honestly all the british shows that i that i end up watching which isn't really that many but i feel like i can sit there and be like yep he was on harry potter yep downton abbey downton abbey oh, gotcha. yeah, so right. anyway it was just nice to see some new faces i guess how do you feel like the story moves it's a bit of a ride i'd say there's like some some slow portions but um yeah i think season two is incredibly engaging and it, mm. and it moves by really quickly. I would say like season one is the, the, like the part of the roller coaster ride when you're like clicking up the hill, you know, you're clicking up the hill for that first big drop. I just feel like it, it's like a little laborious in places, but yeah, it's, it's still funny. It's still, you know, there's still good stuff to pull away from there. There's still meat on the bone. I hate the idea of, of writing season one off completely. I would definitely not do that. No, no, you need it. You need, you need, you need it. season one. But, and I, I feel like just about when you're about to write off the show as just basically as some sort of a reverent comedy, right? Because like, that's, that's what it is for a lot of season one. It's just like irreverent jokes and you think you're watching just a comedy. Yeah. All of a sudden they drop on you that all this stuff actually meant more than you thought it did. And it becomes a, a whole different thing there at the end of season one. So I agree with you that through season one, it can drag, especially if you're not really, really into those jokes. I happen to be in the jokes, which is why I love it. Yeah. But then but then all of a sudden, it, it just changes, and the story really takes off from the end of season one and then through season two. So I agree with that. All right, so Brandon, let's turn to writing. Yep. I, in particular, think there's a ton of writing brilliance in this show, which is funny because we talked about how good Phoebe Waller-Bridge is, and I actually think I'm going to hand it to her on the writing over the acting, although she's great. I just like, I think there's a lot of brilliant moments in the writing of this show. The dialogue is quick, it's witty, but then the story is uh, fresh at the time. I think some other things have mimicked it now. So what what do you think about the writing? Uh, there were there were times when it felt a little clunky to me, but flashes of, of brilliance. And so like the range is a little wide, but there were scenes that written that felt so incredibly natural. And, and I was uh, remarking, you know, to you about this, Anthony, I feel like even the best written shows have some level of like rigidity in the way characters respond to each other. You just can't recreate a hundred percent, like a natural exchange between two human beings. It's not really possible, you know, cause no one knows how anyone is going to react in, in a, like in any given situation. So I, I feel like this is some of the most natural um, exchanges I've seen, mm. especially between her and a, a couple of the key actors. And it it really was like, whoa, you know, you, you knew you were watching something great during a couple of these scenes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll give that to you. Flashes of greatness. I like that. Okay, so Brandon, big question here. What do you feel like this show is about? Since we've talked about how it starts off as one thing, changes into another thing, like what is this show about? Well, I I would really love to hear your perspective here because I don't want to, I know you're going to put it better than I, than I will. So I'd love you to take this part. 
Okay, here's what I think the beauty of this show is. Number one, there's a reason you have to power through the raunchiness to get to the rest of the show. And that is you learn that a lot of season one is this sort of tantrum that Fleabag is throwing. Not a tantrum exactly like she knows what she's doing, but she's deflecting. When you don't know she's deflecting emotion, then it just ends up being raunchy jokes. When you know that she's deflecting emotion from something that will happen later, everything becomes very interesting. It changes who she is at the core. So what I think this show is about is it starts with this grief. She's dealing with grief and mourning something, some things actually, and she's doing it in a not great way. And then it turns, it's like this deflection of grief and then it turns toward love and humanity. But I think the beauty of this show is in its authenticity. Certain TV shows, like we've had this conversation, I think a couple of times before about other shows, but certain TV shows, well, let's say TV philosophy in general is sometimes that we're supposed to be watching like the epitome of life on the screen. And this is what we're supposed to emulate. And uh, this is what we're going for. And actually West Wing, sorry, everyone, but West Wing gets this ding a lot where like Sorkin sometimes wrote females badly. Mm. or like sexist moments within the West Wing in the 1990s. And sometimes my argument is, do you think there wasn't sexism in the West Wing in the 90s? Like, (laughs) I understand like Sorkin's (laughs) writing this like politically euphoric show. It's a utopia. Yeah. Yeah. But like there was certainly sexism in the 90s. It like, so when somebody makes a sexist comment to a female character in the show, like you can't all the way put that on Sorkin. Like there was a whole lot of sexism. Anyway, (laughs) Sorry to turn it toward West Wing, but basically like what this show does beautifully, I think more beautifully than anything is like, you're not, it's not like emulate this person. It's not like this, like, this is how you deal with anything. It's like, no, there's a so much humanity in the show from season one, deflecting emotion, making weird, raunchy jokes, making weird decisions. Here's my one, maybe feminist observation, which is that there are many ways that when she is acting in the first season out of her grief and she's deflecting her emotions sorry for the overgeneralization, but she starts treating her sexual partners the way a male would treat a sexual partner. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's very interesting on her perspective because she changes a little bit later as she realize she recognizes her personhood and her humanity, which is a, a cool thing to watch, I think. Um, but then also just like her actually finally dealing with the emotion, um, I, I think is wonderful. What you have any thoughts on, uh, any of the things I've said? Yeah, I mean, I think the main thing is we are we are witnessing one big defense mechanism. Yep. The way she deals or doesn't deal yep. with the uh, the root of of the issue. And I think it's interesting you reference how she begins treating sexual partners the way men often treat sexual partners and I think when we see a woman act like this, we have colorful langu- language language yeah for like, you know, how we describe them. And when a man does it, we, you know, we just kind of leave it alone. I, you know, something that's maybe not so colorful, but one of my first observations was she's empty. She, you know, she's like a a shell of a person at this point. Something is very wrong here. And it takes a while to figure out what that is. But um, it is interesting though, that if, you know, if this were uh, a story about a man, it would just be like, oh, he's just... He just doing likes, what dudes do. Yeah, yeah. He just likes to yeah. get around a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think uh, there, there's a lot to take away. Uh, it it does take a minute to kind of settle into her character and to, like I said before, figure out what you're watching. So 
Um, I think it's very interesting. It's very interesting to to finally figure out what has been going on. Yeah, you realize later in the show that she's not acting how she wants to act. We bring up sex a lot because there's a lot of sex in this show. Yeah. And even in the sexual encounters that she has, she's not fully into them because she's not acting how she wants to act. She's sort of acting out something else. And then you see later in the show, like how she would prefer it be. But, and, and so that's, that's a really interesting observation that you just made. So, yeah, I think sort of related to that is there's a ton of breaking the fourth wall in this third show. wall. I think it's the fourth wall. It's not the fourth wall. It's, it's the, third, the fourth wall. It's the third wall. It's the fourth wall. The, th- the third wall is where, like, if we were talking about a stage, it's where the actors on stage talk to the audience. That's the, the fourth the, wall. There's the fourth two wall side walls, when, a back wall, and then a front wall. The fourth and the wall front wall is, is the when, one you're breaking. The fourth wall is when a fictitious character references or is aware of their own fictitiousness. That is the fourth wall. I literally look this up so I'd be right about it. <laughs> did you change my outline, by I the did, way? Because I didn't you, want you to say fourth wall. You didn't want me to be correct? How dare you? Okay, anyway. Well, it's the third wall. It's the fourth wall. I don't actually know now. You got me. You definitely have me insecure about it. I'm not going to. Hey, Google. I'm going to back down for a second. All right. So anyway, what she does is she talks to you, the audience. Yes. I'll interrupt you and just say (laughs) it's one of my favorite parts of the show. Like she goes in and I don't know how she pulled this off, man. Saying her line, she'll turn to you and say something really quick and then turn back. Uh, She almost basically narrates the show. Now, listen, it's a risky tactic. Did it work for you? Did the breaking of this... Whatever wall, numbered wall we have here, did that work? It may be fourth now that I'm looking at it. <laughs> anyway, I think it does. I think it does work. It and it often doesn't work for me. Like another example would yeah, be yeah, 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 yeah. would be Jim in the office. He breaks yes. the he breaks the wall all the time, and it becomes yes. a trope. This yes. is when it becomes a trope. Like when it's done badly, it's done like do do do. Like it's like poor execution. This is done really well. And it does work and it actually relates a hundred percent to the way she treats her sexual partners because in the early mm-hmm. early stages, she's talking to the audience during yeah. Yeah. the during these encounters. She's describing what's happening, she's describing what she doesn't like, what she does like. Yeah. Um, oh, that's weird. You know, just like that. And then it becomes yeah. meaningful. She's yeah. not talking to us anymore, which right. you know is how it should be. So it does work here it is risky it has not worked so much many other times in other shows no risk no reward i think it's a big payoff here cool so my favorite part of this show how did you like the show's take on religion and let me set this up a little bit so there's not really much religion in in number one but number two andrew scott plays a priest and they have a lot of discussion about religion obviously he's a priest and you also have to bear in mind what i said about like authenticity and not like this utopic uh idea Mm -hmm. but real human life how'd you like the take on religion i want to first say i love the sentiment and it it seems very hopeful it does seem like refreshing almost. And now I want to take a step back and say, it's a little loosey goosey for me. Yeah. How so? I I don't know. Um, I'm not super familiar with Catholicism and where, how that differs from, you know, Christianity. I know it's not a ton of differences, you know, they're, they come from the same roots. I mean, to be fair, it is Christianity. So there you go. So it comes from the same place. I I think it has, you know, I, I would say that, 
maybe the the relationship um with god is a little different um at least yeah, like how i would describe you know uh, my yeah. relationship and then this is exactly why i said I, I loved the sentiment because i didn't want to get too bogged down in like traditionalism or something like that yeah but um i think i would need to watch again to really get like a good a good feel for it because because i don't know like there literally could be blasphemous moments that i would didn't i that i didn't identify maybe not true i just yeah. that would be my only thing i yeah. would be careful of saying i loved it it sure. was a great portrayal because i can't with 100 percent certainty say it was all above board i don't know anyway that's that's my only thing i love the sentiment i love if this guy was you know a priest in dayton it i don't know sure. i yeah, kind of yeah. want to check his yeah. uh, parish out or his you know check his mass out so anyway yeah and it makes you think but also i i mean i think i don't have much problem saying like Andrew Scott's priest is like my ministry hero. Like aside from one thing that happens that I would not all, I would not make that particular choice, but I'm in a different situation than him anyway. (laughs) So so hard to talk about something without spoiling, but still even that interaction is like, I, I just think the way the whole thing plays out beautifully, there's so many choices they make. I might be giving Phoebe Waller bridge a lot of credit here, but what I think the the most beautiful thing is, I think she honestly takes on religion. I think she honestly takes on Catholicism slash Christianity. And I think she had so many opportunities, especially given her type of humor, like we see it all over the place, given her type of humor, she had so many opportunities to take a shot at Christianity or to treat it poorly or to treat it irreverently. And she takes it very seriously. Yeah, I'd say she's a a little flippant about the way she references, you know, the sexuality of a a priest and how that might relate to her and any relationship she may have. But I, I think okay, but but what I'm but what I'm saying is she wrote Andrew Scott's lines as well. Okay, okay, okay. She wrote, you know saying. what I mean. Yes. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about Fleabag the character. Gotcha. I'm talking about the writing of all yes. the scenes. Okay, so I'm yes, with, there is I'm with you now. Like Fleabag is very irreverent about yes. it. But then offers always offers the priest the opportunity. To, she wrote those lines too, mm-hmm. so that's what I mean. She like yes. she the writer was very fair. Mm-hmm. Certainly, Fleabag the character is not all that fair, but that's that's what you would expect from her, and that's fine. But she could have just left it like, oh, that's ridiculous. Let's Definitely a level of respect for the institution. You can tell, yeah, in the yeah, writing, yeah. there is yeah. um, a, a sacredness to it that she's allowing to show its face. Um, in this show. So I thought that was nice. I thought that was, um, you know, I'm just, I always get my guard up when we start. Sure. When I'm watching a show and we start referencing religion or things, I just am used to shots being taken. Yeah. And yeah. But I don't think she does. No, well, that's writer, what I'm saying. Like, I, f- yeah. I felt like she really instituted a level of respect for the institution while still being playful. Like some of the religion jokes are my favorite jokes too. That's uh-huh. what's really funny about uh-huh. it, but they're not jokes at the expense of the religion. Right. They're, they're jokes like co- sort of cooperating with it and mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah, giving it the chance through the priest to defend itself as well. So I, I just think that's brilliant. Okay. Let's move on from that a little bit and yeah. say, we got 12 episodes here, two seasons. That's all they ever intended to do. So we're talking basically six hours. <laughs> so, which is almost two movies basically. So, uh, sort of a two part question for you. Cause this is a little bit, your a little bit more your expertise than mine. Why was this TV as opposed to a movie? And was this sort of the beginning of the death of movies? Like not, not that Fleabag did it, but like, because it came in yeah. the time it came, was that, or is it the shift going on? Yeah. I think Hollywood's discovering that there's a lot of, 
lot of subject matter, a lot of um, intellectual property that lends itself better to television. It's just easier to flesh out characters, dive into character development on a series than it is in a movie. Yeah. No, it's not the death of movies, but you know, we're seeing a lot of a lot more money in television, a lot, you know, actors that you would only associate with movies are making their um, way into television. Now I will say I'm in a little bit of a pickle here. Cause this is my one, this is my one big thing. There's just not much of the show. There's just not much of it. I think season one is literally 80% something that I didn't necessarily care for. Yeah. I won't say I didn't, you know, care for any of it. There were things in there I thought were funny, but about 80% of it, it was something that wasn't quite sitting with me. The last episode was, you know, blew me off the page. Season two is great. Mm. So just about 50% of the show is, was a little like, you know, not my thing. Yeah, that's fair. I really feel like that is what keeps this show from being a great show. Hmm. You know, and, and as I'm getting all the puzzle pieces, you know, this was adapted from stage. This is literally, it was meant to be two seasons. Wasn't meant to be any longer. Like all this stuff makes sense. And it does reshape my answer a little bit. It would make me take, you know, take another, another beat on this question and maybe reframe a little bit, but like initially I'm thinking, gosh, it's just now getting good. Why is it done? That's a super fair point. There wasn't enough for me to sink my teeth into. Yeah. I know that's unfair. I know it's unfair. No, I, you got me really thinking, cause I think that's pretty fair actually all the way around. And it makes sense that I've brought up like this movie question and all these other things where I sort of look at it. Like I have often like applauded her for quitting. Like, here's the story I wanted to tell. I told that story. I'm done because mm-hmm. she always did the two seasons. That was all it was ever supposed to be. And people were clamoring for season three after the hot priest scant, like the hot, they loved it. And people wanted it. So, I don't know if clamoring is the right word, but that, let's skip over it. Uh, <laughs> I think it's a fine word. Yeah, okay, it works. Sure, all right. So, like, they wanted it bad. And she was like, no, I'm done with that story. I'm moving on to other stories. I mean, it's worth mentioning. This series ends on this most, like, combination of beautiful, tragic, like, it's just heart-wrenching slash awesome. Like, it's. Hurt so good. Hurt so good. Yes. Yes. The ending is amazing, but also in a way where it could have gone on, but it Mm -hmm. sort of would betray the end if they did go on. I don't know what my solution would be, but I feel like something that could, the, the two season thing makes you think, well, why not three? Well, why not four? If it was like a, a limited release, and that's kind of a that's a little bit of a newer thing, the the limited series release that we're seeing now. But, oh, I absolutely think this would be a limited series now. Yeah. And yeah. that's maybe that maybe would have been a little bit better. It's just my mind. It's just my yeah. mind thinking yeah. we absolutely could have had another season. We should have. It's just now getting good. I want more oh, of I always, this. Yeah. You know? I always wanted one. Yeah. yeah. So I just feel like it's maybe my mind, maybe a little baggage, maybe some stuff that I'm bringing with me into this, this show. I love that. It's like, this is my project. This is what I'm doing. This is how many episodes you're getting. Sorry. I like that. It's not anyone else's. It's hers. She made, you know, she, the studio can pick it up if they want to, but this is all you're getting. I am all about ending the show when you wanted to end it. Don't yeah. drag yeah, it on yeah, yeah, yeah. just for the sake of everyone else, because that's when it gets sloppy. If you didn't have a th- any, if you didn't have more story to tell, absolutely. You need to be done, but it really does a, does a mind job on me. I'll say that. 
I will say the flow of it, you know, everything I've talked about, about her dealing with grief and then kind of working her way back up. I feel like that arc completed. Mm-hmm. And so I was very satisfied with how that arc goes. And like, even it's this sort of somewhat tragic ending, but also at the same time, like there's wholeness, like it's, it's there's, there's healing, there's, there's redemption. It, it's like at the very end, it's, it's reconciled. Well, we're almost thing. at, we're at square one at that point where yes. we've made the full circle. Yeah. And so you want to see the real, you want to see the real flea bag. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what my, like, right. But she wouldn't be flea bag anymore. No. Yeah. Potentially. It wouldn't be the show. Yeah. All right, Brandon, will you pitch me a show that I have not seen? Absolutely. My show is called Fringe. It is on Amazon Prime right now, and it stars Joshua Jackson, uh, John Noble, who's from Casey. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, there you go. John That's Noble awesome. from Lord of the Rings, Anna Torv. She's a great Australian actress. And the best way to describe it is it is a modern or updated X-Files type show. A lot of Cold War era type things kind of gives you all the X-Files vibe. Definitely super sci-fi. So I know you'll love it, Anthony. <laughs> yeah. um, but anyway, it's it's really good. Super sciency. Joshua Jackson's character does a really good job in this show. So yeah, worth checking out. Are we at the point where everything is either a dark comedy or sci-fi? That's the Well, I two, mean, yeah. <laughs> still two categories <laughs> left. <laughs> <laughs> there are other genres, Brandon, there are, Anthony. There are other genres. There's various shades of uh, of dark. So there's black comedy. There's dark comedy. There's brown comedy. You know, whatever. Yeah, there's time travel. There's yeah. space <laughs> sci-fi. There's. Uh... <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cool. So uh, uh, aliens. Can you tell me? Is it aliens or ish? Ish. Okay. It, it deals more right. with other dimensions than it does like with oh, okay. other places in our universe. All right. That's helpful to know because yeah. I. I don't love aliens. No, I, I, I honestly, okay with this aliens, is more for everyone else that you did your due diligence with stranger things. I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> so this is more for everybody else. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of looking forward to season four. Yeah, man. Okay. So here's mine. It's an older show and, but it's worth, especially with Ozark ending here and, and your love of Bateman. I don't think you've ever seen Arrested Development no. nope. and you need, you need to watch Arrested Development. And the main thing I would say is like, it set the bar for comedy when it came out. Like it's like, and everybody, everybody who has, who's making a comedy now probably thinks Arrested Development was brilliant and really looks up to it. The one thing I would say is there are obviously three original seasons. I think there's five total, five, five, I think. And they really forced those last two. And if for nostalgic purposes, they work. But they had to like, they were filming people at different times and they were bringing people in and like, it's notorious that Bateman like told him, oh, I got to, I got to get out of here. So like he shot Bateman in like four days and like just different things. So the last two seasons, like don't even try and jump in there, please. Cause it'll ruin it. But if you start at the beginning, you're, it's just like, it set the bar for humor, humor at the time. Yeah. And it's, it's sort of messed up that it didn't make it, but it's, it's. I mean, you, Brandon, will love it. I, like, you, it's you'll love the humor in it. I'll say I I started it at some point. I think I was probably too young to, when I when I started oh, watching yeah. it. I think I would. I honestly think I would love it now. I know I would. Um, I love Bateman. I love Will Arnett. Yeah. yeah. Um, Michael Sarah is. I'm looking at the cast right here. I've got to pull yeah. up. 
I mean, this is this is an awesome cast. It's amazing. I'm yeah. sure I would like it now. It's one of certainly one of my favorite top comedy of all time, probably for me. So. Better than okay, so better than The Office. Better than oh yeah, for me, for me, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay, let's do some quick hits here. How about is it our if I start here yeah, on these quick go. hits? Okay, so because I don't, I feel like mine are somewhat underwhelming. But here's the thing: you <laughs> you said last week to check out Tony Hawk, and I and? talked about how. It, amazing oh Am- my gosh it's so good it is so good i was getting emotional it's it's uh-huh. now like that was my time like i said i was playing tony hawk uh-huh. and i was watching him do his thing but just like i can't remember if i've said this before but there's just something about it does not matter what the sport is watching somebody push their body yeah. to the limit yeah. um and then like past the limit it gets me emotional every time. I like I literally like I was I was a couple weeks ago watching uh, one of my daughter's friends' soccer games. So it's like a fourth or fifth grade girl soccer game, and just this this little girl running down to get a ball, selling out. Just like you can see that she's giving everything she's got, mm-hmm. and it was just like I'm like getting emotional watching her do that. And right, then, but yeah. th- that that's how I felt watching Tony Hawk. I like remembered that moment because he's just pushed it to the pushed it to the limit now and it's also interesting because of his his base like his demons basically like he's been yeah. fighting all these things and and how he was a dad it's just a, it's a beautifully produced documentary uh about potentially a a topic that just could have been about i mean a lot of it is this one trick like yeah <laughs> it's his white whale of a trick but there's so much more to the documentary it's very interesting so i loved it and then also i'm a little ahead of brandon and i finished ozark i i it's I been got out a couple, for- i got a couple episodes left <laughs> i am ready to lose my mind yeah man I, i'm not gonna say anything just because nobody's seen it yet but um uh, i i mean i finished it in it came out friday and it's we record on monday so like <laughs> yeah. i finished it to this morning i finished the last one um it was uh I, all i could say is it's just as good maybe even better than the first half of this season yeah. really enjoyed it yeah how about your quick hits well, I want to comment on uh, your Tony Hawk thing, kind of yeah. rolling off that a little bit. I watched Free Solo, and yeah, yeah. absolutely, when you when you're witnessing someone strive for perfection, and that's what we're talking about here, yeah. perfection yeah, yeah. being the and and I would consider someone being the best at their thing. That, yeah. that is the closest a human will come to perfection is being the best at your thing. I think, you know, other documentaries like uh, The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan and yeah. you know, the, yep. the Tiger Woods on HBO has a, has a great documentary on is just insane to really go behind the scenes of these people we have put up on, uh, you know, these pedestals and mm-hmm. they're normal people just like everyone else. And man, everyone knows that Tony, the Tony Hawk hits the 900 and seeing him just over yeah. and over and over and over who, who else would have done that? I mean, I think I said this on last week's episode, but I watched that live. I was watching it happen live. It was incredible. Who I else would have tried that many times? Like exactly the one. The one well, guy. They goes, say it. Yeah, he's, they say it in the documentary. Y- that you should know every time he every attempt wrecks your body. Yeah, and uh, the one guy in the documentary said that's the beauty of skateboarding. In any other in any other sport, times up, you're done. Yes, and in skateboarding, we would have never seen anyone do a nine hundred. Yeah. If it weren't for skateboarding, because like you can just keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. Like we've never, we would have never seen a 900. Man, in the audience, they were, they were yeah. just there for it. They were like, yeah, and we'll all stay of his here. buddies, we'll stay yeah. here all day. Yes. You keep yeah. going. Man, that was so good. 
So good. Uh, My quick hits are slightly more depressing. Um, (laughs) Under the Banner of Heaven just popped up on Hulu. It's an Andrew Garfield joint, and it takes place in like Salt Lake City. It has a lot to do with like the Latter-day Saints, and it's a crime thriller. But if you're interested in like religion and different, you know, sex or denominations, just really fascinating to me. And of course, Andrew Garfield's great. Um, Also... Moon Knight is getting ready to wrap up on Disney Plus, and that puppy has done a 180 for me. I would say it it started out pretty good. It would say I'd say it lulled a little bit for me, but the last couple episodes have been great. Oh, okay. I, and I, people I think, have been raving about it. I think it's going to end. I think it's going to have a really great ending. I was always kind of in, so I won't say I did a 180, but it's yeah, yeah it's it's going to be really good. I think. Also, nice. I'm going to hit stop on recording. Although we don't have any like. Uh, Chitter chatter, that's fine. We don't always need it.